Hello and thank you for listening to the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast. My name is David Shockley. And I'm Morgan Miller. And in the house today, our special guest in the hot seat is Philadelphia-based comedian Jesse Dram. Welcome to the show. Hello, David. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to have you here. And, uh... Had a little bit of car trouble coming up, did you? Uh, it, it, it was predictable car trouble is what it was. It's uh, it's this weird thing where it'll if I go too far, it'll say, check transmission. And I'll go and check my transmission, and it'll be fine. It's still there. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody took it. No, uh, no engine goblins or anything. But no, it's just a thing like, okay, I just need to stop and cool it for a minute. And the car doesn't behave any differently. It just, the little thing leaves me alone. So. I- the little, the little goblin kind of... The, the little man who lives in my car and occasionally chides me for not doing something. <laughs> he must be so. related to the, uh, uh, to the Tangle Gnomes. Yes. Tangle Gnomes, uh, the, the gnomes that live in your pocket and every time you put headphones in there or any type of cord, oh, they... okay. Tangle them in there. I'll be honest, I totally agreed having no fucking idea what you were talking <laughs> about. This is like the Tangled movie? But no, I, I'm aware of the concept. I think they directed the Tangled movie. Okay, so they're moving up. Good. <laughs> I, I like diversity in Hollywood. <laughs> if they took the small part-time jobs messing with cars and and, uh, and uh, cords in pockets, and now that they're slowly getting getting the fame they deserve. <laughs> So um, now we're going to start today's episode uh, the way we start off every single episode. Uh, we're going to do a quick cheers uh, just to uh, wish goodwill on the podcast episode. Morgan, are you ready? Absolutely. And what are we drinking today? New Amsterdam vodka. And what are we washing that down with? Uh, a mango wheat blue moon. Ooh, fancy. Cheers. Cheers. Very nice, and and we have the um, the honorary cheersing vape uh, over here with Jesse. Yeah, I was I, I wasn't sure whether or not I should say that I'm not actually drinking. Uh, no, totally fine. You're yeah. making you're making smart decisions. Yeah, well, it's also to be honest, I am a bit of an alcoholic, and not the kind of alcoholic who tries to fix himself in any way. But uh, <laughs> I'm the kind of like I I limit my drinking by limiting when I do it, which is I don't really I I typically do not drink until ten o'clock at night. But mm-hmm. I drink every single fucking night. Okay, so it's a it's an interesting take on an old problem. It's a it's a little give little take. It's like okay, we yeah. can. It's a it's a c- controlled chaos. Yeah, I, I just have to I just have to be difficult and have uh, you know the one that really causes me no problems whatsoever, except when I have a podcast to do and a long way to drive and I'm hungover as fuck. <laughs> so. No problem. What were you doing last night? Um, actually, I was recording an episode, uh, the first episode of my podcast Ooh. that I'm putting together. It's called uh, the Magical Misery Tour, oh, where cool. I talk Cute with man. people about depressing and dark shit, because that's what I'm into. And yeah, I interviewed my friend Neil Wood, who uh, unfortunately is way too big a fan of podcasts and tried to make me stop halfway through to uh, dictate, like, well, you should have an intro like this, and it should really be like NPR, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I humored him, and I just never stopped recording all of it, and I'm just going to put it all up, even with the breakdown in the middle. So <laughs> that'll be fun. He'll be furious with me, but what else is new? Yeah, it's like it's like a self critique right there at the beginning, or it's 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 your first episode. You get the critique of your episode live right there. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a good way to do it. He, he and I have entirely. He's a comic as well, uh, Mr. James Neil Wood. Look him up on Facebook if he's there. Um, but yeah, I am very much the. Uh, well, actually, it's funny because it's the opposite of our writing. Because in comedy, he wants to you know write on stage, which translates to bombing a lot and feeling bad about yourself. <laughs> And I like to write at home and really on stage is just finding out what's funny, what's not, and memorizing it. 
Meanwhile, with the podcast, I I like how freeform it is. So I would just wanted to be like, you know, nah, let's just let's just do it live, see what happens. Or Fuck it, do like, it live. No, it needs to be like this, and it needs to be like he has a very gruff voice. It's weird because he looks like such a pussy because he is. But uh, <laughs> call him out. It's a, he's like six foot five, but he was raised entirely by women, so he has all these <laughs> weird manner. It's like the cat that thinks it's a dog. <laughs> that, he's, he's that kind of guy. I feel like I'm in. I'm in. Now we're part of this like podcast beef. Now it's a not, well. No, we would have to if you and I are heading separate podcasts and we're not beefing. That's fine. I'm talking about the beef I had with my first guest, which uh, yeah, nah, nah, nah. I guess, I guess that is kind of a thing. So we're but, safe. I think yeah, we're safe. nah, nah. You're safe. Just uh, don't wear red in my neighborhood. So. <laughs> so you brought up bombing. Can you tell me about the worst show you ever had? The worst show, oh, the worst show I ever had technically didn't happen. It was, That's perfect. um, oh God. Okay. I, I'm not going to name names, even though I think it'd be very obvious to anybody in the New Jersey comedy scene. I'm originally from New Jersey, so okay, Oops. like literally right over the bridge. So it's the same thing, but it's miles apart in the Philly comedy scene. Like they still consider me a Jersey guy, though I've lived there for four years. Mm. Um, it's because you weren't born there. You haven't right. Yeah. Well, well not because I was born there, and I did also when I started. I was back and forth over the bridge, and frankly, I'm actually much closer with the Jersey guys than a lot of the Philly guys. Mm. And it's just I, I don't know. It's a it's it, it's a mentality. I I hang out with the white trash college dropout kids, and as opposed to the Philly English major kids. <laughs> yeah. But uh, sounds good to me. Yeah. It was a show in Atlantic City. Me and my friend Neil Wood were opening up uh, at a comedy club, a legit comedy club. So we thought and we were opening for the Reverend Bob Levy and Lilo Brancato. Who, <laughs> Those are great names. Oh, yeah. Well, Lilo Brancato, if you're not aware, he was the main actor, uh, the kid in the movie A Bronx Tale, if you've ever seen it. I've never seen it. Did you ever see it? No. Nah, yeah, it's, it's a great movie. He was on The Sopranos, went away a little bit for attempted murder because he believed his own shit. But he was very nice when we met him. But uh, when I say nobody showed up, I mean goose egg, zero, zip, zilch, nobody. Literally nobody was in the crowd. Yep. And on top, the other fun thing about this was this happened to be the very first time I decided to take my girlfriend to one of my shows with me. Oh, no. <gasps> Yeah, it's okay. She wasn't impressing me before that. And she and, and she's my ex now, so really who cares what she thinks. Well, I you did I did want to, I want to back up just a little bit. Now you mentioned uh, I, I know we mentioned a little bit of having beef different podcasts. There's mm-hmm. some beef that I want to I want to clear up here. I want to I want to ask you about uh, whatever happened to the accusations that that you that you put against Andrew Fox or the Andrew Fox <laughs> show that that he was stealing your jokes. I want to know how how that whole thing turn out. Well, what was the uh, court verdict? I I, I want to put out there that despite being a no good joke thief, I still treat Andrew as a good person. As a matter of fact, uh, you may be aware he really, really hates his job at Whole Foods. So I just, you know, pulled a few strings and got him an office job at my place of work in the city. So maybe he'll learn to be a better friend someday. This literally just happened this week. Oh, wow. Nice. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, nah, the story with that was I had posted a joke on Facebook, uh, which was something along the lines of, uh, Prince and David Bowie died right, right before the me too movement. <laughs> Thank God for them and their legacies. And then, you know, I got a few likes, not one of my better Facebook jokes. It was it, kind of hack, but whatever. 
But a week and a half later, Andrew Fox posts literally like three word difference of the same joke. Uh oh. Oh no. Th- uh. So I confront him on Facebook uh, by doing a screen cap of my joke, and then I see notice the fact that he actually liked that status. Like you, su- you thought you were gonna get away with it, didn't you? You son of a bitch. Shameless. <laughs> Um, I, I stormed into one of his shows, which you can find on somewhere, the Andrew Fox show episode three and, uh, filed a cease and desist where I was thrown out by his hired goon, James McElhaney. So it was brutal. I saw the video. It was, it was quite brutal. I think you were treated very unfairly. Yeah. So I don't know. Things are still pending there. Uh, I know Andrew thinks that. Because I got him a job and, you know, just helped out his family and he should really name his next child after me. (laughs) I know he thinks the beef is squashed, but really I'm just luring him into the spider's web. Oh boy. Where I can hurt him even more. Andrew, keep your head on a swivel. He's coming for you. He's giving you, you're giving him a false sense of security. Throw him off his game a little bit. There's a reason we're going to be sitting back to back, Andrew. It's so you never see it coming. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. So uh, I did want to start thing. I did want to go into the show uh, theme that we have on the show. Uh, anytime we have somebody on of, of anybody of a particular talent, uh, we like to kind of gauge their skill level a little bit. Okay. So uh, now introducing the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast Pop Quiz Comedy Edition. Okay. Me and Morgan made this five question quiz. The way this is going to work is uh, we have five questions, all based around comedy. If you get at least three correct. And that means that me and Morgan are very terrible at stumping you. And then we actually have to take an additional shot uh, from the one that we just did. Oh, okay. And if you get all five correct, then you will be named King of Comedy by the Maximum Mediocrity Standards. Okay. Well, I'm uh, going to bite off more than I can chew and just say I've never lost at trivia ever of any kind. And this will be a good crown to add to my collection. Morgan, we're in trouble. Uh, you didn't tell me I'd get a high, a, 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 an express route to King of Comedy here. I know. This is, you this said, is put great. That on, Max Mediocrity's King of Comedy. Put that right on there. <laughs> Accolades. Okay. It's going to go on my credits. <laughs> put it on the resume. Yeah, yeah. Question one. Okay. We're going to start things off. The softball question here. Mm-hmm. Which one of these comedy specials came first? Eddie Murphy's Raw or Delirious? Delirious. Ding, 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 ding. Perfect. Yeah. He's on the board. One I, I, I was literally sorting in my head like, wait, which outfit was first? Okay, that one. <laughs> I, I can always tell because in Raw, he starts it off with, y'all seen Delirious? That's right. <laughs> yep. I haven't watched them in a while, though. Like, I can I can picture the thing in my head, but for a second I was like, which was the name of which? I knew which one. I, it, it, I was at a point of confusion there. I was like, I don't know which was which. Let me do the entire act. And see if that counts as the first. I know that one's the first one. Okay, good. So you're off to a good start. Okay. Question two. What are George Carlin's seven words that you can't say on television? That would be shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. Hey, he's got them all. Very, that was, that's impressive. And so, well, I also had a cheat sheet of being uh, a teenager when Blink-182 was really popular. And they had a whole song that was just those words. Oh, that's right. That was the song. I forgot mm-hmm. about that. I should have really thought through these questions more. Look, Morgan's not looking good so far. It's not looking good. Okay. What was Sam Kinison's nickname? I know. Wait, his nickname to whom? I guess uh, to clarify, maybe it was kind of his character's name. 
Mm. His persona. The only one I'm aware of is Brother Sam. And I don't think that is it. That I'll give you an honorable mention for that because not a lot of people know that because mm-hmm. he was a because he, he was a pastor, right? Right. Yeah, he'd been a preacher uh, as a young man, grew up in a very religious household. That's right. Yeah, uh, it was actually the Beast. The Beast. I would not have gotten that. All right. I was going to guess Wild Thing because I knew he had that. He, he recorded a cover of that, and God, what a bad idea. Oh. But you know, if that was your nickname, I could see that. Yeah. Um, I think that was a big one. If you've ever seen, like, um, if you ever listen to, like, the Mark Maron podcast or, mm. or ever listen to his stuff, he often references his time with Sam Kinison. Okay. And that's kind of where kind of I pull that information from. So God only knows how popular, how common that information is. <laughs> Question four. Mm-hmm. Mitzi Shore, whom recently passed away in April, was the owner of what comedy club in California? Comedy store. The comedy store. That um. was an easy one. <laughs> so I'm a three. What was was what was Mitzi Shore? You had a fun fact about Mitzi Shore. That's uh, Polly Shore's mom. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. Yeah. You uh, go back and watch some of those documentaries about the comedy store. They literally talk about like Andrew Dice Clay and Sam Kinison baby shit, baby shitting. Jesus Christ! Oh, <laughs> I think I invented a new sport. Uh, <laughs> ba- babysitting a young Pauly Shore, and the really sad <laughs> thing about all that, surrounded by all those funny people. And it seems like none of it rubbed off on Polly. Oh, <laughs> oh poor Polly. <laughs> Question number five. Okay. Which we're already drinking. Mm. We're it's fine. just it's just to settle the score. The comedian is a superhero in what graphic novel turned Watchmen. movie? There we go. He's got it. Motherfucking Sam Kinison. I was almost the king. You're almost the king. Yeah. Honestly, I almost want to give you an honorable five out of five because you knew the, the pastor thing, yeah. which is pretty much just as rare as information as the beast. He actually has a very interesting death story, which, by the way, is what my podcast is all about. I'm not trying to turn it to that, but I was fascinated by his death story because apparently he'd moved away from faith a lot towards the end. Um, are you aware how he died? Uh-uh. Nope. Um, so the irony was he had gotten clean and sober, mostly clean and sober, all topsy said different things. He had cleaned up his act a lot only to die after being struck by a drunk driver. Gosh, dang Whoa. it. And the weird thing about this was, uh, whoever was in the car with him, they said like, he didn't, he didn't show like, you know, he didn't get his face smashed in or anything like that. What happened was he had actually, they'd gotten such blunt force trauma that I think he had like a severed aorta or something where he was like bleeding out internally, but externally he looked absolutely fine. He had just been violently shook. So he's laying there in the street and like, looks like he's dying. Nobody's sure why everyone else in the car was fine. And he's just looking up at something, and he goes, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And then he just stops and looks at something, and he goes, oh, yeah, okay. Okay, let's go. And that's Whoa. it. That's it. And then he just it died on the spot. That's spooky. Yeah. Got goosebumps. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Woo! <Woo-hoo! laughs> <laughs> um, did you know that uh, I heard that he, when he was a child, he was actually, he had gotten hit by a car. Yeah. And that's kind of what kind of turned him into Sam Kinison. Kind of, he was totally different after. Yeah, that. Yeah, he, he was said to be head. just a regular kid, and it was after that that he got kind of, uh, you know, turned up to eleven. Which that sort of thing does happen with uh, some traumatic brain injuries. A lot of people, you know, 
will get much more aggressive. They'll get much more expressive. In one really weird case I heard on NPR, uh, a fellow with a brain tumor started compulsively looking up child pornography. Oh, my having, God. Having never had that problem before. Jeez, try to use that one in court. <laughs> right, he, he did. It was and, a brain tumor, I swear. Let me get this vodka. <laughs> now, I, I think he got a slightly reduced... More than normal <laughs> sentence because it wasn't just like looking at the stuff. It was literally like going like they, they could see like went and downloaded it, deleted immediately, went and downloaded something else, deleted immediately. Like there was a, a, a definite like compulsive aspect to it, it seemed. <laughs> but I, I think they convicted him because one of the bits of evidence was he only did it on his home computer. He never did it on his work computer Ergo, he knew it was wrong and he would get caught at work and that's why he never did it. I don't know. Are you telling me that pedophiles go around thinking that looking it up on any computer isn't wrong? Uh, It's not a matter of wrong. That is a good point. It's a matter of being (laughs) caught. It's okay because it's on my home computer. (laughs) Doesn't count. (laughs) Safeties. Safeties. (laughs) My foot was on base. I call home base. (laughs) My foot was on base and my hand was somewhere else. How do we how do we how do we go into a cheers from that? <laughs> to pedophilia. <laughs> to, to, to compulsive pedophilia. To wily pedophiles. May they come up with ever better ways to not get caught, but still get caught because they're monsters. Cheers. Cheers to that. And I will click my vape. Oh my god. I gotta turn this up a little bit. That's insane. And I think that that's an interesting story with the guy, the compulsive pedophilia. It's like mm-hmm. he wasn't even looking at it, really. He just he just needed to download it. Right, exactly. He well, no, 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 no. He, he was looking at it, but it was in such a weird pattern that it didn't... Well, the, the way a lot of these guys get caught, like Gary Glitter, for example, who does the... Famous pedophile. Still love that song. Wow. But the way a lot of them get busted is they take their computer get in to get fixed, and people find it on their hard drive. Uh, so, pesky people looking on hard drives. That's can you imagine the like if you're the if you're a computer person, how much shit you have seen? Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> that, that people just thought they got rid of. Yeah, because <laughs> it's it's still there. It takes a lot to like wipe it's, something. It's even more horrifying when you realize the shit people put out in public willingly. What the fuck are they hiding? That's a good point. Well, I actually, when I just broke up with my boyfriend, I I don't really use my laptop too often. So I open up my laptop and I go to type something in and I see a whole bunch of porn. <laughs> I just, it was astonishing how much porn was looked up on my computer. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much of it. I can't even knock that because I, God, I'm sure that's all that. It's like this, this computer is used for two things yep. and one of them is podcasting. But I did him a solid. I just cleared history. You just saw it and you're like, that's not for me. Yeah. Honorable. Um, dude, my, my favorite thing with internet porn is uh, <laughs> you wake up, you wake up after a long night and you see what you're, and again, I'm an alcoholic, so I don't remember what I did a lot of the time. I wake up and I look at the tabs on my phone <laughs> and it's like, you know, Asian cheerleader cream pie and right next to it is the guy who wrote the battle hymn of the Republic. He's like, what? How did I get here? Like I was just like, Oh yeah. Hot Asian. Like, Oh, the battle of Kyoto. That's where I got to go next. (laughs) I love it. That is pure comedy to me because all comedy is to me is making unexpected connections. Yeah, that's, that's what I really like. So, 
comedy and jerking off mixed with Wikipedia, exactly <laughs> the same. Exactly. Could you imagine if those, if like, if Wikipedia started to provide porn, you'd never need to go to any other website. Yeah, no, it's that's. We would rename the internet Wikipedia. <laughs> Google would be jealous. It'd be, it would be called. It would be called Wikipedia and some other stuff. <laughs> Wikipedia, etc. <laughs> Wikipedia and friends. And friends. <laughs> Who would you say is your favorite comic, though? Um. You know what's funny? I think pre- the only one of uh, my favorite comics who has not been made a pariah at this point is probably Bill Burr. Oh my god, we love Bill Burr here at the Mediocrity Podcast. I mean, I will say, it feels like he's been slipping a little the last few specials. Uh, you know, being married and a father and happy is not good for comedy. <laughs> it's not good. It's not a good look for him. I mean, the, o- the only person who was really successful after being married in comedy was uh, Bill Cosby. And, and you he see had, how that went. Yeah, he had quite a bit uh, <laughs> extracurricular quite activities. <laughs> quite the nightlife, some would say. <laughs> but the, the other two, um, well, you know, I won't even say Louis C.K. just because he's hack. Um, Lucy K's hack? Why is Lucy K's well, hack? No, no, no. Him being somebody's influence and favorite is hack. I, oh, I see. Okay. I, I was see. like, yeah. I was going to say, you? I was going to say, just like, God. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd actually say Patton Oswalt because I, I, I feel like a lot of my material doesn't seem like it would mix with that. A lot of Patton Oswalt stuff is like, you know, nerd based kind of stuff. But he's absolutely hilarious. Oh, yeah. No, he's a genius. And the last one I'd say that's a huge pariah is Kurt Metzger. That guy is so insanely funny. And then he got caught up in the whole, like, people were calling him a rape apologist. And Amy Schumer mm. had to, like, disassociate from him. Jeez. But, you brought up uh, Amy Schumer. Funny or not? Capable of it. I agree. There you go. Okay, I agree. Cool. Yeah, no, that's the, that, that's the fair thing to say. And it's... You know, it's her, her publicists must be so happy that there's a contingent of people who hate her because it is extremely easy. Like a new movie failed. Ah, alt-right trolls were voting it into oblivion, which they were. It's it's a convenient excuse, but it doesn't excuse that you're really not making a lot of good stuff lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, when she was on the up and up, there was a lot of stuff, but... Uh, and the show was very, very funny, but I feel like the problem really is, is once she got away from that writer's room, it, you know, it kind of, it kind of, the, 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 the sweater got shut in the door and unraveled a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like she need you need to be surrounded by that community. You need that, you yes. need that to kind of have that grind in those people that are constantly bouncing those ideas off of you. Mm-hmm. When it's just you in a room writing, it's. There's oh, nowhere yeah. to hide. Yeah, it's 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 all you, and mm-hmm. that's just how you look. It was I my I always thought that she was just kind of okay. Yeah, it's like eh, I think I just I, I personally I always just got angry. Again, I don't know why I'm even getting angry at somebody else's success. Good for them, <laughs> but like it's it's you're like why why is she so famous when it's when everything seems to be eh, just okay. Well, I actually had a, a female comedian. I can't even say friend acquaintance in Philly, Cassandra Day. She's hysterical. Uh, she posted something on Facebook, which actually gave me uh, some thought. This was right around the time when Monique 
uh, the comic was famously saying, you know, all these men on Netflix are getting multi-million dollar offers. They offered me 50 grand. What the fuck is that? This is sexist. And a lot of people, and Amy Schumer also did the same thing. Like, you know, I want to be paid as much as Chris Rock, etc. Everyone's like, well, you're not one of those guys. And my friend's response to that was, in the entertainment industry, in men we value experience and in women we value youth. She's trying to cash in at the time she is going to be the most valuable. And though I still don't agree 100%, I think that is a very good argument to make. That she is, she's trying to cash in. But that she's trying to cash in now and that the experience shouldn't be as huge a thing, particularly when experience is not the thing they are necessarily looking for in a woman comic. They want somebody who's of a certain age, of a certain appearance. So, I mean, if this if this is the only time they're going to have that, if this is what the industry is looking for in me, and I have it right now, you can't see it, but I'm making the tiny violin, violin, Jesus Christ, violin gesture with my fingers. You're not even drinking. You better pay up. <laughs> <laughs> what about Joan Rivers, though? She wasn't young. Joan Rivers was not young, but Joan Rivers was also very much the exception. She was amazing. She was mean. And it's that, it's that mm, she was a bit of a, a, a token of the era. She wasn't like one of a, a gang of female comedians. She was like the female comedian. She, she's kind of like the, except, the exception that proves the rule. Right. It's every, every group... It, every gang needs a badass bitch that comes up from the rear. And that probably shouldn't be the way it is, but that's the way you see a lot of these. Mm-hmm. It, I think that it, comedy is very telling. It, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the people who are successful are the people that are funny. So if so, you're kind of do you get a laugh? Yes. Then you get mm-hmm. paid more. You know, that's what it's really it's if you're really good, then you move up. Mm-hmm. And I I and it's kind of I kind of enjoy comedy that way, mm-hmm. that there's not these. Uh, I'm sh- well, you, you understand what I'm trying to say? If I can stop you for a second, though, Amy Schumer never got big on stand up that her stand up was good enough that it led to television and it led to film. And she happened to be very, very good at television. Oh, I see. And she did happen to have one big film. And in Hollywood, that's a whole, like, if if you get the number one, you are the god until you are not. And I think we're seeing the not right now after Snatched and I Feel Pretty. So uh, another thing is she probably realized, like, okay, I probably peaked. I would not be surprised if she comes out with a new Netflix special that is amazing. Mm-hmm. Because it's going to have to be. Yeah. Right. Because she's kind of on the wane right now. Right. She's peaked, and now she's coming down off that peak. She can't. She rose hard and fast, and that's right. just kind of how... The, the, it's the two different career t- types. Either you can have a career with a slow build that never hits extreme, but you have a longer career, or you can have a short career that peaks very fast and then plummets very fast. Right, and that's all going to come up to whatever she decides to do next. Because right now, naturally, she's hit that. But it doesn't mean she's down for the count. It just means she needs to try harder and not just take whatever, you know, project. Yeah. Yeah. She's got to be funny, in other words. Yes. She, she Stop making got... so many vagina jokes. We get it. Right. No, she, she's gotten enough shit that she would need to, uh, I can't even say silence the haters, one, because it's a thing 13-year-olds should say and not grown men. <laughs> but, uh, but it, it, you know, there is always going to be a contingent that's just going to hate her, but she needs to put something out that's undeniably that the people who are on the fence are like oh dude fuck those guys that was great yeah 
she she has a lot of people because you have these two camps. You have people that that really really like Amy Schumer that are in her core demographic, and then you have the people that absolutely hate her and hate her very mm-hmm. very openly. And I and they're right. That's where that kind of that's kind of what we know her for now is is being hated. And right. So you have to convince those people that are that don't give a fuck. She needs a new audience. Right. Yeah. No. The people you're not going to turn the people who hate you. You need to get the people who are indifferent, don't know, or don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. So. We'll see, we'll see how that happens. I'm surprised they didn't pull her into Ocean's 8. I am right? very Right? She would have been an ex- I mean, I'm glad because I love the Ocean series. And I, and I if they said Amy Schumer, I'd be like, God damn it. She's going to fucking ruin it. Mm. But at but, the same time, if, if she's great in it, I would totally admit it. And not to mention, I don't think we have seen her in an ensemble yet. Because on TV, she was, you know, in her own show, the star of her own show. In movies, she is always the lead. We haven't seen her interact with other people. Yeah, I think we just need to see her. At, yeah, I think you're right. We need to see her as uh, as a and, an ensemble. Who's to say she like uh, in the Melissa McCarthy role? Not quite the see, same. I was role. just gonna say that. Mm-hmm. But in something like that, she might be a great support. Mm-hmm. And if she's not counted on to carry the whole thing, you know. Yeah, I think Amy Schumer is a support person that was a main person for too long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, that just happens, you know? It's mm-hmm. people, I don't know, people, uh, no, I don't have as good a thought. I'm going to stop talking. Well, I mean, <laughs> shit, I mean, I can't blame her for it. I mean, if I was given it, you know, I, I believe that I am very much a support type of a person. It's mm-hmm. tough for me to kind of just be 100% by myself. I always need something else to assist me right. to, to make a good performance or make a, a, something entertaining. But if I'm given the opportunity to be the main person on stage, fuck yeah, I'm taking it. Right, well, that was the argument a lot of people made when uh, the go- girl Ghostbusters thing came out. And we were like, you know, how fucking dare these actresses, like, how fucking dare these actresses answer yes when they say, like, hey, uh, you want to be a part of what's probably going to be the biggest movie of the summer? and we're going to give you millions of bucks. Oh, well, I wouldn't want to upset some virgin in a basement somewhere. (laughs) So I'm going to have to tell my family we'll just have to go light for Christmas this year because I turned down the multi-million dollar movie (laughs) for a bunch of people who at best would have maybe not called me a cunt at best. <laughs> that, that also may happen to increase uh, women's role in entertainment and media. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it no. might do a, a good thing for the industry, make it a little easier for the next person to come through. No, my priorities are straight. No, thank you, Mr. Paul Fagg. Good day. <laughs> me too, how about me? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so I did want to ask you a little bit because how long have you been doing comedy for about uh, roughly four years and is that from the t- first time you went on stage or from the first joke uh, I go from the first time on stage just because many people start and stop I've been pretty consistent uh, I think I maybe taken two weeks off um, one two week off break where I was it's funny I was going through a lot of bad personal shit and just like I just don't think I can do it right now and I'm I'm gonna take some time off and I spent all that time off just like oh, this is a funny this is a funny idea and eventually I just had so many ideas and the fucking cats were tired of listening to them it's like I guess I should go back to an open mic <laughs> so. how'd you know you wanted to do comedy I did music for a long time uh, as you heard before I was playing a little bit of guitar before we Beautiful. started. Beautiful. It was really good. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, I had always been in bands and I had appreciated comedy and more importantly, I appreciated funny people. But uh, stand-up comedy, I just, I didn't know enough about it. 
Um, one of the things that happened was the band I was in was with my girlfriend at the time. And uh, she has... That's a recipe for success, isn't it? Oh, yeah. No, it, it was doomed. What but, kind of um, band was it? Um, Rock, funk. It was all over the place. I'm a big fan of progressive music where you don't know what's coming next. Mm-hmm. And a, good, a quick way to achieve that is to just throw everything in the kitchen sink at them. But uh, like the Cardiacs, exactly. I love yeah. that band. I actually have no idea who they are. Oh, you I'm have sorry. got if you, if you like the Cardiacs. Music, I yeah. all right. There's a, there's an album. It's called Sing to God, and it is uh, after the show. I'll play. I'll play you some of it. it okay, is, absolutely. It is if it, it is exactly that. It's throwing everything against the kitchen sink. You have no idea okay. where it's going. It's absolute insanity. Like, all right, good example. Have you ever heard Mr. Bungle? <laughs> well, I, 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 it huh? sounds familiar. Uh, I think we met last week. Oh. <laughs> Did he give you a package for me? Yeah. Um, nah. M- Mr. Bungle was um, the side project of the lead singer of Faith No More. You know Faith No More? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, you know Faith No More? No. You want it all, but you yes. can Yeah, Mike Patton. Uh, he joined Faith No More. They'd already been together, and they had to fire their original singer because he was a heroin addict. So they hired him. He says, I'll do it my only... Uh, rule is I need to be able to stay with my <laughs> high school band. We're a weird death metal group that dabbles in jazz, and we have two saxophone players. <laughs> oh wow, I love this. Yeah, and they were, and Devon was like, "Fuck you, man! Oh yeah, <laughs> you yeah. fucking tell them." And they are, <laughs> they are, are so goddamn amazing. Just, just to give an idea of, like, there, there's a prankster's niche. So even though like the music is not jokey, like a good example, the first track on the first album. This is the death metal band. Yes. Okay. Is just 30 seconds of silence and you have no idea what's going on. <laughs> and then is it on? Did a it bottle breaks and it starts loud as fuck because they want you to fiddle like, am I, am I not <laughs> hearing an intro here? And then slam you in the ears immediately. <laughs> That's how it feels like every time you show somebody a new song, mm-hmm. it's, it, it might as well be 30 seconds of silence. Yes. Right. Because you're always like, it's coming up. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. It gets better. Whenever yeah. I do that, nobody's face ever changes. They're always like, well, this is garbage. Oh. Can, was- we all, can we all decide right here, right now, what do you do if you're in that situation? Do you make a new face? Like, if, you, if you're not into what they're showing you, what is the appropriate response? I, I go with honesty, and a lot of that is... Uh, I'm friends with people who nobody has my taste in music. All my friends listen to garbage. I'm in the same boat. Yeah. How about you? I I think that well yeah I, I have like I have a unique taste in music, uh, but I, I whenever I like show somebody music I'm like okay what is the best right like what's the what's the best light I can show somebody this in mm-hmm. and so I really try to tailor it. To to the person, yeah, to the person. It's like okay, I know they kind of appreciate this type of music, and I think they would like this, but but only if they see it through a certain window, because you kind of have to help them out a little bit. Mm-hmm. So after a few drinks, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's always a good way to do it. That's actually that's probably the best way to do it. If you want to show somebody new music, get them fucking wasted first. Usually, that's the- how I always like your music. Yeah, <laughs> sober that sucks, right? See, no, it's still all right. Usually, the way I'll approach it with somebody is like, "Have you ever heard of such and such?" Like, no, I'll be like. Give me three songs, and you can you can tap out in the middle of any one of them. But a lot of that is I like bands where 
they have different a lot of bands you could play them one song and they'll like all of them but the bands i like their songs tend to be very disparate and different mm-hmm. so it's all about finding like okay where is the where is the air shaft vent on the death star that i need to fucking land this for this guy to get into this music yeah exactly it's like what's that window it's like you know it's there but you mm-hmm. have to find it and sometimes it's a failure because, again, I like progressive music where they've even done uh, studies that show a big part of the reason pop music is so popular is because you get a minor chemical reward when you can predict what is happening up next and it happens. That's really interesting. And I have the wiring against that. So Anyway, uh, very off topic. Um, so. Oh, that's the show. It's good. Okay. Right, it's right. But no, I got into comedy. I was playing with this band and it wasn't even really that. It was mostly rock. Uh, the lead singer was a woman named the Nami, who I'm still very, very close with. As a matter of fact, I'm going to see her in the hospital after we leave here. Oh my She's, uh, she has a lot of health problems, like disabled, uses a walker. So when she and I would play on stage, because she was the front man, she couldn't move around as much on top of that, you know, in a good deal of pain all the time. So I kind of stepped up a little bit of trying to be like the entertainers, like, you know, moving around a little bit, joshing with the crowd in between songs, which she hated, but it was completely necessary. (laughs) And I always said like, okay, I really like the music I'm making with this band. And I always really wanted to be a professional musician, but it is so much work and so little return that if this band breaks up, I'm, I'm done. It's like one of those jobs that uh, you rely on everybody else to do their job right. Yes. Yeah. And let me tell you one thing. Drummers happens. are the most unreliable fucking creatures <laughs> on the planet. I will, I will take a three-toed sloth on a drum machine <laughs> over a man in his 20s that actually plays drums. I, I have a theory about that. Okay. I have a theory. It, I think it's partly because drummers are in such high demand. Yes, there is definitely a scarcity that they never need to... They never hear the, hey, you need to get your fucking gear together or we'll replace you like that. Yeah. Because usually, like, uh, we practice at my house. Where else are you going to do this? You know, because I have all the fucking gear mm-hmm. and I have 30 other bands that would love to have me any second. Yeah, they're, they're always high in demand. And I think that's partially because of how expensive it is to get into drumming. Oh, yeah. I thought it would be because it's real loud and you can't practice places. It, it's that too. that too. I have a drum set and it's not here. <laughs> <laughs> it's not in my townhouse because that would piss off everybody. That's, that's a quick way to get evicted. Oh, yeah. But, I don't know. It sounds like they play drums every day. Oh, yeah, my neighbors? Yes. Oh, yeah, they're great. So uh, our, our neighbors are of a, uh, we'll say, a mystery Oriental? ethnicity that we do not know or, or cannot Ooh, determine the Can we of. play that trivia game? And <laughs> <laughs> guess you, the neighbor's ethnicity. I like that. Do you remember the time they came over and wanted to party with us? Oh, my God. It's great. So none of them speak English. Or, or maybe none it's like, them. yes, no, hello, and that's pretty much it. But they love karaoke. Okay, that indicates some Asian uh, origin. Yeah, he's getting there. So All we're, right. We're getting a little... I, I'm working on no visual of these people, and I got to admit, it is so fucking fun in my head right now. It's like, are they, they extraterrestrials, possibly? About seven people live next door. It's anywhere between uh, seven and uh, 12 people live there. I, I can never determine. I have no idea. But they, There's never the same faces over there to me. But it's great. They get because they all look the same. Is that what you're saying? Racist. What is it with having racists on this show? <laughs> no response. 
Scared that anything I'll say will be held against me? <laughs> I have a I have a joke I do in my act that I don't mind burning because it's uh not particularly good and it's not attached to anything else, which is I I feel like I'm racist in the same way I'm Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really, but I was definitely raised to be. I, I, I can I, understand that. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Like we did my family didn't know any black people mm-hmm. at all. And my dad's side of the family were openly less than supportive of the community (laughs) it's it's you don't realize it until later oh yeah no i i thank god well not literally god but i i I thank whoever that uh i i turned out to be somewhat on the intelligent side that's not me tooting my own horn it's just realizing (laughs) like oh childhood wasn't that bad i was just really a lot smarter than a lot of the adults so thankfully i was able to intuit my way out of that shit i I often say I have a very, I am genetically conservative that if somebody is complaining about something that happens to them, my initial instinct and reflex is to make a jerk off motion and roll my eyes like, ah, fuck you. And I have to like, no, Jess, you need to stop and think about this. And I'll work around like, eh, they, they get treated pretty shitty. But I do have a, a thing for somebody who complains a lot. I really have a bad reaction to people complaining. No, that makes sense. Cause it, it cause when you're complaining, you're making a very justified point. When somebody else is complaining, they're just being they're just being totally blowing shit out of proportion, right? Right. They're being a big whiner. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like it's like just fucking buck up and deal with it. We all have to. I deal with things I don't like all the time. So I did have to. I, I did want to uh, not not stray too far from from your comedy thing, mm-hmm. but um. I, uh, but but anyway, yeah, the band broke up, so I just started to start doing comedy, and that's. What I did. Because yeah. you, you had that stage experience. Yeah, yeah. I had the stage experience. I thought would make me a little bit less nervous. It didn't really. I'm glad you say that. Mm-hmm. Because I, before... So I did I did one comedy. I did one open mic night. Before that, I did... I was a, a magician for about okay. seven to eight years. Professional? Pro, uh, yeah, professional. I did kids parties. You need to have James Neal Wood on this show because he also took the much vaunted magic into comedy route really yes i that sounds interesting because i would love to talk to him about this because once i so i but i performed you know bunch of places i perform on stages i performed in kids shows Mm -hmm. you name it i I, i've done it but and and i did one of my favorite things to do was was bars i had one get i had like one little thing kind of like little gimmick that i had where i would only perform a trick on halloween it's where i'd swallow razor blades okay and i'd regurgitate them with a with a thread Ooh, and it was really cool and i'd only do it on halloween and that was kind of like my thing to get money is i'd i'd talk to all the bars and i'd go i go hey listen i only do this this trick once a night i got a few other places that wanted me to do it Mm -hmm. but i'll I'll let you get in for this price and that's kind of how i made money nice and so i was used to hard crowds i was used to drunk crowds and i was used to doing dumb shit on stage making a total Mm -hmm. ass of myself so once I kind of phased out of the comic or phased out of the magic thing, I, th- I've always loved comedy and really kind of, I kind of wanted to do comedy from the start, but I found that I maybe needed a little, a prop, something to kind of help me out, which right. is what started the magic thing. So once I got out of it, I said, boom, I got the stage experience. I have the confidence now, the stage uh-huh. presence. Let's get into fucking comedy. It's time to go. I did it at, at bar 13, which is where, where uh-huh. we, we, we found you. And it is fucking terrifying. Oh, it was like it was, yeah. it was like the first time I was on stage again. It was I. It was absolute phenomenon. Why is that? You have nothing to hide behind. I'm actually I'm very thankful that in the New Jersey scene there is a very funny musical comedian named Ramon Bender, 
who uh, he's the reason I didn't bring my safety blanket of a guitar into my comedy because I loved what he was doing so much. It's like I I can't be the other guitar guy while that guy's doing it, so I guess I should just write some jokes. So I'm very thankful for him. Um, see, it's hard for me to say because it's it, it, frankly, I, I told you I had some panic attacks on the drive down here. I do have an anxiety disorder, so I'm used to feeling nervous for shit. I know there's no logical reason I should be. So I still have this a lot with comedy at some places. And my, my only thing is just like, you know, you've had horrible sets and you know even a horrible set isn't all that bad there's no reason to be like this but for me personally it's it's a lot of body tension i'm not worried about my set like eh, oh my god what am i gonna do it's my body is nodding up on itself and that is making me uncomfortable and unpleasant really that's interesting yeah it's, so it's a it affects your anxiety affects you physically when you're on stage. yes absolutely and even even on the drive down here it wasn't uh, and i'll tell you honestly what it is i developed a little bit of a phobia of a travel great for a fucking comic right <laughs> <laughs> so that's something i'm gonna have to deal with but, i actually um, I, I actually have a little bit of a phobia of travel too i'm i, I kind of want to hear a little more about this okay well th this is actually a little bit newer uh realistically i know what happened my um my job i'm not gonna say what it is my day job but uh it's a lot in like live event stuff i pretty much just draw stadiums all day my job needed me to drive up to New Brunswick to Rutgers <laughs> and take a bunch of photos of their football stadium there. So I woke up on a Saturday, much like today, drank too much the night before. And just on the hour and a half drive up there, just that my car is not the most reliable. I'm going somewhere I'm not really familiar. I'm not feeling good because I'm hungover. Add all that to, you know, 80 mile an hour speeds and just having to process a lot. And, uh, yeah, same thing. My body was tense because there was a lot of stuff going on. The tension led to hyperventilation, breathing too much. Hyperventilation leads to a drop of CO2 levels in your body, and a drop of CO2 levels kicks in the fucking adrenal gland. Uh. I have done my goddamn research, and you know what? It hasn't helped a bit. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. So it that's... just makes you realize how fucked you really are. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, for me, it's never... Uh, I've gotten... When I first started getting them, because I didn't have them my whole life. I started getting them uh, a year after my dad died when I was 23. So, uh, very, very hard period that I guess I just never fully unwound from. And when I first got them, it was like, oh, I'm dying. And then eventually it's like, okay, no, this is something different. I always thought it was bullshit until I started having it. But now you kind of... You kind of get it. Oh, how the tables have turned. Oh, <laughs> yes. And, well, that's the way I explain it, is a lot of people are like, you know, it's all in your fucking head. Like, yeah, but here's the thing. I can't make it go away. Yeah, me acknowledging that it's in my head doesn't pull it out of my head. Do you know what else is in your head? Everything! Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Your brain. Yeah, it's kind of the most important thing is stuff is in your head. Like your fucking mom's birthday, that time you shit on the bus, it's all <laughs> there. Good memories. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Johnny never smelled anything yeah. like that before. <laughs> the last time we had taco night. Mm. But uh, I, I feel doing open mic comedy, part of it is I like having my, uh, my, my usual place I go. There's a few places I go where I have no anxiety whatsoever because it's just, you know, I know the people and I know, I know even if I do terrible things, I'll be able to pull something out of it. Uh, Starving Dick and Comedy in New Jersey. I went up the other night with like all new bits 
which is guaranteed they're going to be offensive and they're not going to be very funny. I actually ran out of material at the end. I yelled to my friend Neil, like, what, what's some of my funny bits? I can't think right now. And he just responded, no. So I started riffing on the word no and a rape joke popped out. Oh, there we go. <laughs> just screaming, like, I can't improv. I'm sorry. But. <laughs> I can, so... Um, as far as like going to like the same open mic over and over again, mm-hmm. do you do the same the same bit again, or do you have to always think of something new when you go to the, uh, the uh, same place? I'm very big on putting together a set, and what I'll typically do is I'll take that set and I'll do that at every different mic in town. And then once I get to that point, even if I don't have new material, I need to be like, okay, I need to put together a different set and try to hone these little things together. Um, I've been lucky that this year I've actually had a lot of new material come to mind. And uh, so I have been doing a lot of like, okay, you have these ideas. Let's work on these for a few weeks. All right. You've pretty much done this everywhere and you're not really sure where it should go now. So let's try something else for a little bit. And so that's not only my performance, but that is a lot of my writing process. Gotcha. So, So you typically don't duplicate if you one spot. Uh, at one spot, no. Which really doesn't even make sense because it's the same people in all the fucking spots for the most part. Because that's kind of what's kept me from from kind of uh, establishing an act mm-hmm. is because, like, I know Bar 13 mm-hmm. uh, does an open mic night and... 1984. Uh, yeah, but 1984 is technically an open mic night, but nobody really shows up. Mm. So. Did they stop doing that? It's another thing is they never like they they switch nights that it happens. So there's never an actual audience there. Also, it's an open mic in Delaware. No one's showing up. There's just not a lot to do. It's kind of just those two spots. Yeah, it's tricky in Philadelphia right now. There is a glut of open mics. So I I have really and when I started, there was really only like four. I really did get in just as there was a big boom. Like comedy is the fun thing to do now, which actually infuriates me when I see like really young comics who are all in college, they come out and they're all supporting each other. Like, no, you're supposed to be fucking hating yourself every night at this point. Instead, you're (laughs) jerking each other off and none of you are getting any better. You're supposed to be your most miserable right now, not booking each other on shows. But, you know, it's just its own thing. I'm sure they'll be fine. No, but but you're right. Being, that's that feedback. It's, and that's what makes comedy comedy. That's why it is so cutthroat. And mm-hmm. but that's what makes comedy good is that it is cutthroat. It's 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 if you're not funny and you don't get a laugh from people you don't know, then it, you're mm-hmm. not really funny. Right. Yeah. Ha- having a good set and getting better are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Particularly at an open mic, you should be sucking for half of your set at every open mic unless you are rehearsing for a bigger booked show coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any, um, when, when you started, did you, did you like read anything? Like how did you start to establish writing jokes? Um, I, uh, I tried to watch stand up comedy a little more analytically mm-hmm. get the, uh, weirdly enough, I think a big thing that helped me was coming from music. I very, very much like the rhythm of a set. I like where it starts, where it builds up. Like I like to start on something, you know, extremely general and then narrow in more on specific stuff and sometimes it'll open back up in the end but I like to I, I like to build up and I like to connect things and I think a lot of that is due to music so it's just so so you kind of got better just by kind of seeing others and then just kind of throwing shit against the wall see what sticks right like I remember uh, my my first my first set I only remember one joke from it and 
all my stuff is really long, so it's fitting that my first one was very, very wordy and not really oh, worth yeah. it for the punchline. But I did okay. It was uh, I, I was dating a Jewish doctor at the time. Oh, all right. Yeah, and I am personally. So she can only uh, see Jewish people? You would think, but no, no. The 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 women are okay only during Jewish holidays, <laughs> Passover go. and such. Passover. It only works during Passover. Oh god. Well, she had she had a sister who married a goy, a uh, a a uh, that just means non Jew. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, but she had a sister who married a goy who was also you know. Is that on just the... like a guy that's not a Jewish person? No, that's all of them. Huh. Goy or Gentile. Uh, goy can be a little bit more derogatory, but. Not Dude, really. General white people got a lot of names. Goy, we got gringo. Oh, yeah. We got a lot got of names call- against us. I got called a gringo at work the other day. Really? Gringa with an A because I'm a girl. Do you know the origin of gringo? No. No, tell me. In Mexico, uh, when white people were first really getting in and colonializing it in the 1800s, mm-hmm. and obviously there was other times, um, a very popular folk song at that time was called The Green Grass of Home. And uh, that kind of got portmanteaued into gringo. It was the gringo. Uh, fuck, I don't remember this as well as I thought, but it, it, it is origin of like rumbling together of all these white people, and they all love green grass of home, and it somehow turned into green became gring, and oh, just because it's Spanish. I always thought that it had to do with uh, something about a green card of some sort. Hmm. You know, because we have it, and they can't. Ah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Oh, so that joke was. Uh, oh right. No, no, that's fine. Uh, so I'm dating a Jewish doctor, and I am not. The way the way I look at this is, she knows the way a Jewish doctor's life goes. She's gonna marry some lawyer and have a bunch of kids, and then the lawyer's gonna fuck his secretary, and they're gonna <laughs> get divorced. And she's skipping all that, and she's going straight to fucking the pool boy. <laughs> <laughs> now, for my first set, that's pretty good. That's it's, good. That's, that's really good funny. Joke. It's very wordy, though. And, uh, I liked it. That was another thing I didn't know when I first started out, that, that you should do quick quick bits, that you should do quick jokes, yes. and then it isn't until then when you start to get booked that then you do longer form stuff. Right, yeah, we, because all, our only real reference is, you know, stand-up comedy specials, which are typically about an hour long. I think one of the things that helped me is a lot of people get up their nerve, write a thing, and then go out. Like, I went out to open mics for four weeks just as an attendant, just mm. to see what other people were up to, and you know what I found out? Oh, most of these people still Dink, I am not really that worried. We did that too for a while. Yeah, me and Morgan. Yeah, we uh, we would go out and I guess really just a bunch of our friends. We'd go out and just just to go to open mic nights, just because mm-hmm. we're we're fucking masochists and we like to punish ourselves. There you go. <laughs> it's horrible. But no, I feel like that definitely it really tempered my expectations of. For one thing, it immediately changed the goalposts of what is going to make this uh, a success or a failure. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that if you go to enough open mic nights and not perform, like just go as an audience member, mm. you should get a tax write-off for charity work. Oh, absolutely. Because <laughs> it is. The one that we went to when you performed was pretty god-awful. I laughed only during your set. I was happy with that. See, I I, I just had a... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. That, that was it. It was, oh. it was That was a weird night. Like, I'm up there, and again, I'm super nervous. I'm like, holy fuck, this is like the first time I'm doing this again. This is mm-hmm. insane. And, and I drank too much because I was nervous. And so I'm running through my bit, and there's like 
three people in the back left corner that are laughing at everything mm -hmm. and dead <laughs> silence at everything else. It, it was, was so weird. It was me. <laughs> Fenris was laughing a lot, though. I was, I was, uh, I was appreciative of Fenris. Oh, uh, well, that's it. Fenris often laughs at how bad people are. <laughs> Perfect. Hey, there's no such thing as bad publicity. If you can get a laugh, you get a laugh. Very true, yeah. And on top of that, I don't know. I, I feel like uh, something I love in the comedy community is I love when somebody's going up with brand new shit and be able to go up to them after like, hey, this part is what you need to focus on. That's fucking funny. I like finding the 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 good shit in uh, um, shit. That's great. That's what people need. Yeah. They need that outside perspective from somebody who kind of knows a little bit more and say, listen, I think that that's the good stuff. Cut the rest of this. Right. It's really just fleshing stuff out at the beginning, oh, yeah. I think. What, um, do you have any kind of advice for somebody who wants to get into comedy, what they should start I, doing? I'd say don't. There's way too <laughs> There's way too many of us. There really is. It's a, a lot of the people in the comedy scene in Philly now mm -hmm. are not in the comedy scene because they're funny or they want to be good. It's it, it attracts a lot of weirdos. It's very <laughs> popular with, uh, let's just call them dorks right now, which, you know, some people are dorky. Who cares? Hey, fuck, we're dorky. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people, this is like, this is their biggest social circle they've ever had. Because uh. immediately, like, if you go in Philly, if you go to four open mics in a week and people recognize your face, you've made like 70 new acquaintances. True. And particularly in the city that you're going to run into because that's how cities work. And uh, th that's one of the things I don't like about it because I don't think it makes good comics. I think it makes a lot of hangers on. It makes a lot of friends who are getting booked despite not being that good. And I'm not saying this is sour grapes. I'm I'm getting booked. I'm fine. I just I it's it, it, it's 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 not something I like and I see a lot of it. Because there's already so much fucking nepotism in comedy. Mm -hmm. We don't need a whole wing of people who aren't funny, who are just, you know, propping each other up like ants. Yeah, it, it just, right, it just makes not funny people. And nobody gets ahead. It just makes bad comedy. Right. Well, but, people, people support each other just to be nice, which is nice mm -hmm. to a point. Mm -hmm. But uh, that has to drop off. Right, because that's how you get better. If you come in and you're getting laughs right off the bat, I actually feel... Um, I don't want to be sexist because I'm trying to say exactly the opposite of it, but nothing bums me out more than when I see a 22-year-old trying it out for the first time and everybody's tongue up her asshole. It's like, I am so sorry that these people really want to fuck you more than they <laughs> want you to be funny because the way they're treating you is going to it, it's leaning way more towards them fucking you than you becoming funnier because of it and that bums me out because it's like it, well that's just a thing i couldn't imagine being a woman in general just because i fuck I, I a hot I, woman a hot woman yeah i could not imagine just being having to be that suspicious over motives yeah, because you never know. Right. That's the great thing about being ugly, is that you know exactly how people feel about you at all times. Mm -hmm. that's, why, that, that's why I try to be upfront and like, oh yeah, no, listen, I would totally fuck you, but I'm telling you, you this because you need to hear this. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if you ever need a fucking, here's my card. <laughs> and uh, doesn't translate to many fuckings, but you know. <laughs> that should be on your business card. But you learn by <laughs> failing, as we have said. <laughs> that should be on your business. Jesse Dram. For fucking or comedy advice. And just give that out. 
You got business cards, Morgan, didn't you? I did. What What do your business cards say again? Just another asshole who can make business cards. Mm. That's it. And then it has my number on it and my name, obviously. There you go. I don't oh. think I don't think anyone has ever called me from a business card. Nobody's either. called me from mine. Yeah, no one's called me from mine. Mm. It would help if I had put my phone number on it, probably. But <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh yeah, you you just put your name and you like <laughs> see the white pages. <laughs> it just says Dave. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, your number's not on this. Like, uh, am I your fucking slave? Google. <laughs> Use Facebook, dickhead. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, speaking about booking, so this this is probably going to come out uh, July first. Uh, what uh, what shows do you have coming up? What do you want to What do you want to plug? Just just while we're thinking about it. Okay. Well, uh, I advanced in the Phillies Funniest Contest two weeks ago. Nice. Yeah. It's the first round, and there's a lot of scrubs. So it's uh, I I really really wanted to do this, and then as soon as I did, I'm like, ah, this means nothing. But my next one is July eighth. At 10 o'clock, that is at Helium Comedy Club. It's at 20th and Sansom in Philadelphia. Very easy to get to by public transportation. I don't expect any of you to show up, but you're going to regret <laughs> missing it. And after that, I have a Comedy Underdogs. That is July 21st, roughly 8 o'clock, I believe. Uh, that is at Latage in Philadelphia, one block off of South Street, 6th and Bainbridge. I don't know who the headliner is for that show, but... Come see me. I'm pretty You're going to be there. We know that. Yeah, I'll be there upsetting people probably. That that place is a bit more like high class. And then, you know, I'm going to go in telling my circumcision jokes and, uh, <laughs> you know, why my mom dying falling down the steps one day is a good thing. But <laughs> they might follow that. And um, after that, I'm uh, there's, there's a, a sober fundraiser show I'm putting together. Like I said, I'm still actively drinking, but my entire family is in the program. So Ooh. they've got me these gigs now whenever they need fundraisers. Like, you know, like <laughs> we, we, we can't have any more fundraisers with some fucking dickhead with an acoustic. Can you put something that'll bring people out? So comics they've never seen. Oh, that's not, that's not good. Yeah, so it's July 28th. We did one of those a few months ago, and literally like 300 people showed up. Like, Whoa. they had to turn people what? away. Because suburban New Jersey, sober people don't have a lot to do. Yeah. yeah. They're, that, they're that, off not drinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is kind of sad. Like, you know, as someone who drinks, but my, my brother doesn't drink anymore. And mm-hmm. he that's the one thing he tells me. He goes, it's just fucking boring. He goes, because yeah. you never realize how much socialization happens around alcohol or is centered around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I mean that, that that's cool events that they that they have for them. Yeah, oh yeah, no, it's definitely it's helped out people in my family. None of them had the alcoholism the way I do. They had the uh, like my my cousin flat out says like you know what makes you think you're an alcoholic? Like well I drink every night. Like have you ever passed out and woke up and you're getting you know butt fucked in a gravel <laughs> driveway? Not yet. No. Not yet. Can't say so, cause like you. Call me when you're an alcoholic. The cool kid alcoholic. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Holy shit, that's not a call to action. I don't know what is. Until you've blown a circus clown, get the fuck out of here with this. Speaking of Bill Burr, we weren't, but way earlier in the podcast. <laughs> now we are. <laughs> me and Dave are going to see him in October, oh, and I can't. City? Yes. Nice. Yeah, and so I can't even wait I gotta get those tickets. I have to catch up on all the podcasts. Uh, I've actually turned off of his podcast lately. It's okay to be wrong. It has got a little bit of a lull. I take a break every now and again. Mm-hmm. 
Because you realize, because you realize, he does kind of repeat a lot, and he talks a lot about sports. And if you're not into sports, it's, it's fucking drag. Yeah, it was it was great listening to during the football season. There was uh, in the playoffs of the NFL. There was a uh, the Minnesota Vikings came out of fucking nowhere and won this game so unpredictably at the last minute. Came back from like down four touchdowns in three minutes. It was amazing. And I'm not even a huge sports fan. I was working at a restaurant at the time where. It was on TV, and it was great. Mm-hmm. And when I turned on his podcast the, the next day, and I heard him talking about this game live as it was happening, it's like, Ugh. he has no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> He's literally texting his friends. like They were playing the Saints. He's literally texting his friends like, oh, when the Saints go marching in. Who the fuck is ever going to go for the Vikings? That's never. And to watch him as he, there, there's a clip of it on there where he's literally like, yeah, now this is, he's like, holy shit, I can't fucking believe this. It was one of the best podcast moments ever. And for us, we skipped that whole fucking thing. We're like, I don't fucking care. I will send you a link after this. Cause oh, I is, heard it. I remember it. it. Well, it, it we no, to see to it, it actually synced up to the game is uh, amazing. And that clip is on YouTube. Oh, that's cool. Somebody synced it up. Yes. I love the internet. Oh, it's, it's a great place. <laughs> so do you have a comic that you think that you, um, you think you're most like? Um, <laughs> who's style-wise? Right. <laughs> I'd honestly probably lean towards uh, Kurt Metzger because he has a, a, a lot of the bits I love are defending the indefensible just because it's it's a fun exercise. And Bill Burr obviously did that with mm-hmm. his, uh, you know, beating women routine with everything. <laughs> right. But Kurt Metzger has one that I thought was so great because it was such a genius take on it. He talked about uh, a mother at like a child beauty pageant. Got in trouble for uh, her daughter, like five-year-old daughter has to do a special talent type thing. And she came out with big fake tits and a big fake ass. And the did, daughter? Yeah, the daughter. <laughs> Just double checking. Yeah. And did like a, it was me, I was there. And did like a booty <laughs> dance or something. And the mom got in a bunch of trouble and uh, <laughs> the kid almost got taken away. And Kurt Metzger's take was, that is genius. You're never going to. What's the big worry with these things? Pedophiles. What better way to protect your child than to dress her up as a curvaceous lady? As an like adult? A, yeah, like that's a, that. they hate that. That, like, that. that is genius. It's the opposite of what they like. But uh, that take was just so fun. And he had the Race Wars podcast where him and Sherrod Small, He the podcast is still going, but Kurt Metzger is never on it anymore, mm-hmm. had some of like the hardest fucking laughs I have ever had. And a lot of it was the, uh, I feel like it has a lot to do with background. He was brought up Jehovah's Witness, which is entirely different. I was brought up Catholic, but I just knew that fear of like God thing and how big that was. He also grew up, uh, I think a big problem with a lot of the comics I meet is they have had very milquetoast white lives, whereas like... Mm. I got I get in trouble for making racist jokes every now and again, which I always argue they're not racist, they're racial. <laughs> and everybody has their lame dad impression. My racial jokes are me doing an impression of my dad because he was racist as fuck. I know what it's like to have racist people around and to still have to love them, you know? Whereas a lot of people, that's just like, you know, they mentally want to put you in a sack and throw you in a river. Mm-hmm. Like, there are so many different angles to get, the, and you can 
you can still find good in something that's so bad. And if you don't find good, you're just guaranteeing the bad will never, ever change. That's a good point. Do you think there's a line, though? Like, what do you, what's that line of either racist or racial that that it stops being fun or funny? Like, what what is that line where you're like, ooh, that's too far? Uh, the, the, the racial I find funny is poking fun at stereotypes. Okay. Okay. Enforcing those stereotypes is not fun. Okay. At all. That makes uh, sense. Okay. Yeah. You you, you don't want to dehumanize. I, w- I, I would say, like, you can make fun of stereotypical black behavior mm-hmm. because there is some. But uh, at the same you need to be you need to be aware you're walking that tightrope. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you need to you need to hold all parties responsible. And you also need to kind of mm, talking about that tightrope. I know. Right. This yeah. is that. Tight- I think I. Th- I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it might be this. There's a difference between observance and criticism. Yes, exactly. And it's also, you need to be sure you're not putting something on all people. Like, uh, I am not, oh my God, I almost, you ever get in a Facebook argument and then you see a comment so dumb, you're like, okay, I need to just walk away from this. Oh, all the time. <laughs> there was a Baltimore comic who posted something like, Every time I hear someone say they don't like rap music, it always eventually turns out to be racism. And my argument back was like, no, I like complicated music. Uh, rap is pretty steadily 4-4. On top of that, even as mu- I'm also a big believer in shitting even on things you love. Oh, yeah, you have to. If you, sh- I think if the more you shit on something, kind of the more you love it. Right. And- That's how I express all of my love, shitting right. on people. There you go. Hmm, that's a, you should charge for that. You can make a minute. Yeah, you make money. There's scat porn <laughs> out there. Um, <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of rap I refer to as seventeen uh, year old bragging to thirteen year old rap, <laughs> which it could very easily be. You know, dad bought me a new car and I kissed every girl at your school, <laughs> and people react like they're the younger kid, like. Tommy kisses girls all weekend long. Like, I'm not impressed by that. So hardcore. <laughs> and and I understand where it comes from. But, uh, and, and, you know, very much, you know, a lot of people in the culture coming up from nothing. They want to show off what they got. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have this argument with a fucking 25-year-old white dude. Like, <laughs> this is not your culture to be defending. And one of these guys said, like... Uh, you know, where I said, like, well, I'm interested more in the music. Like, 80s and 90s rap, where uh, a lot of the beats were old funk tracks. I'm actually all in on that. Mm-hmm. And the guy commented back, like, you know, well, what you're really describing is rap is really just, like, all music. I was like, you're a fucking... Yeah, all music, aside from the song structure and the melody and the change in beat as the song progresses. You know, the things that defined what music was for eh, all the human history up until about a week ago. So... <laughs> so. I have to ask, what is your opinion on Dr. Dre? I have uh, the chronic on vinyl, and I was actually listening to it last night. And dear God, I am so glad that as much as I miss, I'm sad about the death of the album because I like listening to full albums. It has killed skits in hip hop. Skits on albums. You're looking at me like that. But as soon as I make some examples. I feel like we'll get it. Who are some of your favorite rappers? Watsky. You got to go older. I don't know who that is. Oh, fuck. I don't, I'm not, I, that, I, I know. That's the about. English graffiti artist, right? No, yeah. No, that's, uh, you're thinking Banksy. Yeah. I, no, I, I knew it wasn't that. But. No, uh, no, uh, George Watsky. He's a white rapper, but, uh, he was the, he's the only guy that I've, that I like rapper that I've listened to that has skits in 
Uh-huh. It's like spoken word stuff, and it's like it's bits, right? Okay. Well, like a lot of them, uh, I know like the first three Eminem albums, there's like Ken Kniff, the guy who just calls and like, you know, makes uh, veiled homosexual threats at him. I know ICP <laughs> did a lot of them. Dr. Dre, there's a whole bit where it's like Dr. Dre's girl is like, he's literally a doctor. Like, I'm here to see the doctor. Well, he's busy right now. You tell him <laughs> I want to see him. Well, he's fucking somebody else, bitch. And then the wall, you hear the like the clip-clop, clip-clop of her walking in and he's fucking some nurse on the doctor's station. Wu-Tang, they had a whole thing like, yeah, somebody's, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna sew your asshole shut and just keep feeding you. And like, no That's music. Chris gets that. <laughs> He asks everybody all the time, what if I sold your butthole shut and fed you? I am so glad there's a basis for that, and that's not what he just thought up. He sold it from Wu-Tang's first album. That son of a bitch! God, we're going to have to beat him. Chris, we're calling your ass out. But yeah, so these are... He's a PA that was... He's one of our PAs. Oh, okay. But yeah, so there's a lot of 80s and 90s hip-hop. Going into the 2000s, Eminem was the last one I was really aware of because I didn't really follow hip-hop much beyond that. That There were a lot of these skits, and oh, dear God, they did not age well. Mm. <laughs> so. Well, I think that's. I think we're just about at our time. Uh, was there, where can people find you if they want to keep updated on you? Uh, you can find me on Facebook under the name Jesse Dram. That is in D as in dog, R-A-H-A-M as in Montana. Um, I am on Twitter at at JDram. I haven't really cleaned my history much yet. It's still the same Twitter I used professionally when I worked at a porn company as an editor. Whoa. So there's some old articles and shit on there that are a little not safe for work. Also, I do... I can't call it trolling because I'm me, but there's a lot, there's some stuff I probably need to clean up on there. So, so, you, so if, if somebody ventures to your Twitter, you know... Just- they're getting into some stuff. They're, they're going to find me arguing with a lot of mentally ill people <laughs> for who are too dumb to realize I'm totally destroying them. Shitty, shitting back and forth forever. Yes, exactly. That's what it is. <laughs> um, and uh, now, generally how we end out the show, I, I forgot to prep you at the beginning of this, is we play oh, a I'm word sorry. game uh, where it, it's real simple, uh, basic improv game where uh, somebody says Ooh. a word. Uh, and the next person says the first word that comes to their mind based okay. off of that word. And then it just kind of goes in a circle the whole way. Shitting back and forth forever and ever. Got it. it exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll do it three times where, uh, you know, each of us starts each time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you want, I'll, I'll go first just to kind of just kind of test it out. You can just say. Uh, Which way are we going to go? Uh, we're going to go uh, this way. Okay. Clockwise. Classy. Clockwise. Is that clock? Yeah, this is clockwise. It's the way we're going. Okay. That's the way we're going. I'm sorry. I'm too. I'm fucking drunk now. So. I was gonna say. I'm pretty fucking lit. I don't know about you guys. Uh, all right, let's start it out. Um, guitar. Microphone. Bass. Strings. Bow. Amplify. Electricity. I really want to go some light bulb. Oh man. Voltage. Uh, watts. Watts riots. Baltimore. This is getting too slow, guys. Come on, we gotta pick up the fucking pace. Oh, okay, I don't I know should how fast say this is supposed to be. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I forgot to, to to mention that. So you want to go as fast as you can. If it takes too long to think of a word, uh, then you lose. Or if you repeat a word, then you okay, lose. Okay, okay, okay. Are we starting over? Uh, yeah. Why don't you start this time? Um, bears, animals, Chicago, brown. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jesse, it's your turn. Uh, Pikachu. Pokemon. 
Oh, Voltorb. Yu-Gi-Oh. Charmander. Cards. Poker. Mm. Ah! Well... So I'm intentionally trying to change stuff up. I don't know. I know it's good. good, good, good. Your trips are up. That was good. Right. Well, I well, kept thinking about Yu-Gi-Oh. I was like, I want to do something that relates to that. And it, <laughs> well, you, I know what, you know what? As soon as you said guitar, and then it's like, oh, we're just gonna do fucking instruments this whole time. It was like, yeah, it's something else. But no. yeah, that thing is, you gotta. It's it's then somebody else can change it up. It might not be interest, instruments anymore. It's right. Like, well, it's game. really, the honest god truth is like the moment I say my thing. I'm already, I'm actually picking off of my own thing as opposed to what anybody else said. So I was trying to like, That's no, don't cool. think in your head, think what they're doing. And it's the whole head game. A lot like my transmission going in and out. <laughs> Pooping back well, and forth forever. Well, Jesse Dram, thank you very much for, uh, for coming on the Max Mediocrity podcast. Uh, and thank you very much for listening. Stay woke, everybody. That's it. That's the show. <laughs> Yay. You did great. That was awesome. Cool. You did really good. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 